I'm Ed Peters, and I welcome you to What's New. We continue on today in the fourth chapter of Acts, moving on to verses 5 through 12. On our previous study, taken from the opening verses of this chapter, we saw Peter and John being arrested by the Sadducees for preaching the resurrection of Christ. Now, beginning here with verse 5, Luke is going to fill us in on the events that took place after the apostles' arrest, and he writes as follows. The next day it happened that the council of all the Jewish leaders was in session in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's relatives. So the two disciples were brought in before them. By what power, or by whose authority, have you done this? The council demanded. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Honorable leaders and elders of our nation, if you mean the good deeds done to the cripple and how he was healed, let me clearly state to you and to all the people of Israel that it was done in the name and power of Jesus from Nazareth, the Messiah the man you crucified, but God raised back to life again. It is by his authority that this man stands here healed. For Jesus the Messiah is the one referred to in the scriptures when they speak of a stone discarded by the builders which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. Under all heaven there is no other name for men to call upon to save them. The group of men that Peter and John appeared before, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law, were the three groups making up the Sanhedrin, which was Israel's Supreme Court. Now here to bring us today's study is Pastor Henry Harder. The preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, interestingly enough, often creates enemies. 
Peter and John were speaking to a large group of Jews near the temple, and the temple authorities, hearing that they spoke about the resurrection of Jesus, came and arrested them and put them in prison overnight. But hear the rest of the story from the pen of Luke. The next day the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? The group who was to try Peter and John was made up of rulers, elders, and teachers of the law. The rulers were perhaps high priests and former high priests or members of their families and principal temple officers. The elders were the representatives of the people and were mostly Pharisees. The teachers of the law were the scribes with rabbinic training. They included both Pharisees and Sadducees. These made up the Sanhedrin, which was the Senate or Supreme Court of the nation. The word Sanhedrin is a direct English transliteration of the Hebrew Aramaic word for the Jerusalem Council. The Hebrew word, in turn, is a transliteration of a Greek word, which means sitting in council. It's made up of two words, the preposition with and the noun seat. The Sanhedrin goes back to the time of Moses when God commanded him to gather 70 men from the elders of Israel. In the New Testament, the Sanhedrin becomes most conspicuous in the trial of Jesus. It had every right to try and prosecute anyone for alleged crimes, either civil or religious. Unfortunately, in the case of Jesus, the Sanhedrin was not a vehicle of justice for which it was famous. It was rather guilty of gross miscarriage of justice. The proceedings were highly unusual, such as the time and manner of the meetings, the way in which the trial was carried out, the strange outcome. All of these things point to the fact that the Sanhedrin was not interested in justice. It was interested in pronouncing Jesus guilty and in having him executed. Actually, they had determined to put him to death long before his arrest and trial. So they made only a show of legality and propriety. They were desperate men. Since they were not legally able to execute a man, so they had to find ways that would elicit a death sentence from the governor. In the book of the Acts of the Apostles, the Sanhedrin, with few exceptions, behaves like a court of law should. Here in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John appear before this body the day after their arrest. The meeting place was perhaps in a hall in the southwest part of the temple area, perhaps near the eastern end of the bridge crossing the Taropian Valley. The Sanhedrin sat in a semicircle with the accused in the center. It was their duty to question the accused. It was through Peter and John that a lame man had just been healed. So their question is, by what power or what name did you do this? I can imagine that Peter loved to respond to a question such as that. Here is what Peter answered. Rulers and elders of the people, 
If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and everyone else in Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you completely healed. He, that is Jesus, is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When you read the book of Acts, it becomes obvious that the messengers can be bound, but not the message. Peter and John were imprisoned, but the message wasn't. No enemy of the Word of God can imprison the Word. Enemies may even kill the messenger, but they can never kill the message. Paul said the Word of God is not bound. The message irresistibly moves on. So it did here. In fact, from the defensive, Peter moves quickly to the offensive, and he aggressively preaches the gospel to his judges. He bases his point on a well-known biblical text. He quotes Psalm 118, verse 22, where the author writes, The stone which the builders rejected has become the capstone. While there the author perhaps has reference to the nation of Israel, which was despised and rejected by the nations yet chosen by God, this verse had long been considered to be an early reference to the Messiah. Jesus himself referred to it in his parable of the vineyard. The capstone was the final stone placed on the top of the Jerusalem temple to complete the whole structure. From this verse, taken from the Psalms, Peter moves to the subject of salvation. Jesus is the capstone, and salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The word salvation has often a Jewish designation for Messiah, son of David. No doubt these Jews to whom Peter spoke were well familiar with that idea. So Peter says that the salvation is in none other than Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified and raised. The disciples refused to compromise the exclusiveness of the gospel message. They were completely committed to the fact that Jesus was the unique and only one through whom salvation could come. I watched the television talk show yesterday. The discussion concerned the gospel and a number of speakers objected not to the content of the gospel, but to the fact that Christians insisted that Christ was the only way to God and that there was no other. But that is exactly what Peter here says. Apart from Jesus, there is no salvation for anyone. Sinful men must be saved, and salvation can be found in no one else. This is the exclusiveness of the Christian message.
is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA.